Hello and welcome back. We survived the first episode. They've extended us to a second episode. Lots of feedback from the first episode, including no theme song. And so we can continue to have people keep listening. I will spare everybody from humming or singing the lyrics of the theme song that Chris and I have introduced. But Chris, welcome back. And uh, how was the reaction for you? Was it as life-changing as it was for me? Uh, yeah, really great feedback from the board. Uh Really uh, kind of interesting to listen to myself. I guess, you know, I, I've been on the radio. I've talked to people, but I've never actually really listened back to it and, and kind of get uh, some feedback for myself. So uh, it's good. Hopefully we get better this time and we're going to keep getting better with uh, each podcast that's coming. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You and I do a bunch of radio stuff where someone will call in or we'll do podcasts or whatever. And for the purposes of publicity, somebody will send us the link. Hey, can you share this? Hey, can you you know tweet this, whatever, put on your board so we can get some traffic. And sometimes you do that, sometimes you don't. I rarely, if ever, listen to stuff because it was 10 or 15 minutes out of my day that one time, sometimes much longer. Um, and it was a chore to listen to myself for 20 minutes yesterday. And I love the sound of my voice. I talk and write so much. That's pretty obvious. But that was actually really hard to do. I was surprised. But I guess that's part of the experimentation. Any promises moving forward? We have to have music at the start and ending. But uh, apart from that and you know, getting better, anything you want to tell the listeners? Yes, we, we will incorporate some music. We will not sing. We will add uh, a mailbag feature. We will set up uh, on the board or through email a way for you guys to send us questions, you guys to ask us uh, what you want to know, what you want us to talk about on the air. Um, And, you know, we'll kind of loosen it up a little bit as well, talk about some of the off-topic stories that we've kind of enjoyed on the board throughout the time that we'll share with our new audience here on the podcast as well. Yeah, we might have time for a story at the end. We'll see. You and I talked about this off the air. If we have three or four minutes at the end, maybe we can do it. But let's jump in. Uh, yesterday, our big thing was, hey, it's preseason in football season because we have all Big 12 um, debates, polls, rankings, and all that. Well, uh, on Wednesday, we also had Bob Huggins and the first basketball news conference of the season. It's you know not even a week after the 4th of July, and we're already in basketball season. The reason being... They're practicing. They can have 10 practices and up to 10 games. They'll play three. But for a European trip, they're going to Spain next month. They're getting ready. Um, and there's news on top of this. Um, to recap really quickly, Logan Route now on scholarship. That puts West Virginia at 10 and maybe 12 because Taz Sherman and Ethan Richardson. And there's a possibility for number 13. I don't want to steal everything from you here, but... Where are we looking here? We're at 11 right now, possibly 12, maybe 13. And actually, even getting to 11, that's kind of different today, Friday morning, than it was Wednesday afternoon, correct? Right. Uh, just the other day when you saw Bob Huggins, uh, you know, there was a mention of when are these guys, last couple guys going to get in, like Taz Sherman and Ethan Richardson. And uh, it didn't seem like there was a clear-cut answer at that time. But Sherman tells me, uh, told me on Thursday afternoon, that he will be in Morgantown on Saturday morning. We'll be enrolling at the school, and hopefully we'll get started with practice with the team. Uh, still unclear if he'll be on the Spain trip. I, I would assume so at this point. I think he's gotten in early enough that he can work with the team and go with them on that trip. Uh, Richardson, still up in the air. Uh, when he committed uh, earlier this summer, he told me, you know, he said, I'm not sure when I'm going to be there. It'll probably be late July. So I have always assumed that he was not making the Spain trip. But now it's unclear 
and I don't want to cause panic amongst the fans, but it's unclear if he's even going to make it at all. Uh, and that's obviously something to watch. And that kind of lends some gravity to route going on scholarship. Not that it makes him a better player, but you don't really do that if you're going to need that scholarship. And they may need that scholarship because there's a chance to add Sunday and or middle of August, correct? Correct. Uh, there's Devin Cambridge, Devin Cambridge, a six foot five wing that the staff has had their eye on uh, ever since the spring AAU period. And it, it's atypical for a senior to be playing in these AAU games as a senior uh, in that spring, because typically they're already with a team. They're already signed. They're already committed and going somewhere. But Cambridge was not, and he's kind of blown up after that, that showing, and he's got several new offers, including one from West Virginia, officially visited earlier this summer, and is deciding at the end of the Peach Jam, which ends on July 14th. And, and word that I've heard is that West Virginia is sitting in a very good spot here, and if he does pick WVU, it could be uh, what, what, not an insta-commit, but an insta-enrollment. Uh, he might commit and then enroll within the week at West Virginia. Let's back up and cover the rules here for a second, because I'm sure some people are listening and arching their brow because, wait a second, don't you have to be enrolled and have completed three hours if you're going to travel? Yes, in the past. I was unaware of this previously until about two weeks ago when I was checking in on this and thinking, wow, these guys aren't here. There must be a ticking clock because there's only one summer session left. That begins on the 15th. you know, if they don't get in, they can't make the trip. Turns out that's incorrect. And now you just have to be enrolled for the fall. So theoretically, if he's an Insta enroll, uh, speaking of um, Cambridge, he can show up or he can just travel um, because he'll be there in the fall. Similar story for Sherman and Richardson as well. Um, let's stick with the guys who are signed, at least with Sherman and Richardson. Um, obviously, Oscar, we're just going to call him Oscar, correct? Right. Uh I think that's probably in the best interest of our listeners and maybe for the best interest of the entire fan base if everyone just sticks with Oscar, big O. Just don't make any other attempts. Yeah, I can spell it, but I can't say it. So Oscar, easy. Um, Obviously, he is the prime attraction of the recruiting class. If you put the other ones in, and there's some good players, McBride, McNeil, um, on and on, we can go through this. But am I wrong to say that Sherman is probably the second one to be most excited about? Absolutely. No, I I 100% agree with that. I thought, uh, you know, back when he was originally visiting in the spring and when he eventually signed, that to me was the biggest need. I mean, there's some bigger needs with some big bodies um, underneath, but just having someone who can score, someone who can score on their own. I didn't see a lot of that out of this group at West Virginia. We haven't seen it a lot the last couple years, but he is someone who can get the ball and score in a variety of ways on his own and kind of just light it up. And that's what West Virginia needs. I have takes on a bunch of these guys. Well, here's one on on him. I I like him a lot. Um, He went to a junior college, a decent junior college, and was very good his first year, which is not easy because, as you know, older players in junior college, that's their year. Um, and they got to get theirs because they got to get out. Um, so being, you know, someone who passes or who doesn't take the shot, that can be difficult. They don't necessarily want to incorporate young players. Um, he came in, he had great assist numbers and, and played, you know, a role, but he also scored 
a lot and rebounded a lot and guarded a lot. He was very good as a freshman, so that surprised him. And everything got better his second year, um, which tells me that he's serious about this and that he is not going to mess around when he gets here. He's not thinking, you know what, 2020 slash 21, that's my year. No, no, no. He's coming in because there's a spot right there. And I think there's something similar to the story with McNeil. And he only has, what, one year out of junior college or, he did, or college where he didn't even play. Uh, he went to a Division two school and left, didn't play, went to a community college, and he, too, was really good his first year. Um, we'll see how he does in the second year. But if you're looking for guys who want to turn around a 20-loss team, that's a pretty good place to start right there. That's that's what they really need, right? People who are going to take this seriously and are going to go come in and compete. Absolutely. And, of course, guys that enjoy playing together, as Bob Huggins would say. Yeah, how about that? Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You get a lot of that this time of year from Huggins, too, where it's one practice in and he can tell that they get along a lot better. That always cracks me up. I feel like we kind of pull the string sometimes when Huggins talks and it gets into these things here, too. Um, as you look at the way this goes now, um, what um, what could a Cambridge add? Is it realistic to think that he can come in and be a rotation guy or is he someone late summer not necessarily Lamont West, let's say, where he's put on the shelf and he redshirts for a year, but somebody who, whose best basketball is a year, two, three, four years away even? Yeah, I think so. I, and this is what, when I see a lot of the chaos, the freaking out on the message boards in particular on Twitter about these late additions, my first reaction is, you guys are freaking out about the 10th, 11th, 12th man, most likely, in this rotation, because... Personally, I, I see Cambridge at least to start. Again, like you said, a year or two out, it, it could be an entirely different story. But that first year, I'm thinking Trey Dooms situation, similar to that, kind of should we redshirt him, should we not? Uh, he does some things very well. Maybe we should get him out there. Um, and, you know, hopefully he sticks around, unlike Dooms. But I, I think that's a starting point for him. Dooms was different, though. I think Dooms, we'll never know the story unless he tells us, but that seemed to me that he probably told the coaches, I'm out of here. I'd rather sit out next year than this year. Can you please break my red shirt? Um, and then, obviously, the story changes when he gets in there. At least they try with him, but, um, you know, best luck to him in the future. Uh, another take. Are you ready for this one? I don't know. I kind of like Cambridge, his verve. Um, he could have signed earlier with other schools. He had offers. He had chances. And... I'm not sure if he gets in or if he if he sticks with those teams or if he flounders or whatever, but he kind of pushed everything to the middle of the table for the summer. 
and it's a much thinner pool of competition for him. There's not a whole lot of uncommitted guys for 2019, so it's easier to rise. But he is, I mean, of, of uncommitted prospects right now, unsigned prospects, he's he's way up there. So he's obviously parlayed this. So I, I kind of like a guy, especially a, what a two guard that that believes in himself and thinks he can do that. That's that's not too off base, right? No, I think I think you're spot on with that. And uh, another angle I was just thinking about was him finishing finishing this out with his AAU team, with the guys that he's been playing with all this time, this this whole summer. Because, as you mentioned, at any point, he could have just bailed and been like, all right, time for me to go to college, um, time for me to enroll and start working out with that team. But he wanted to finish this because Peach Jam is kind of the uh, the pinnacle of this summer session for AAU. And he just wanted to be out there with those guys and work with them and, and get better. So that's always good to see. You talked about maybe him coming off the bench and being a reserve guy. Do they need 11, 12, 13? I asked Huggins about that yesterday, just kind of, I guess it would have been Wednesday, sorry, about whether or not, you know, you need to have 13 because their motto has been our 13 are better than their 13. And that's not necessarily they're going to run 13 guys at you, but if they're 10 or 11 are really good, the other teams 10, 11 aren't going to be on the floor that much, but you know, pressure and, and you know fatigue and th- stuff like that, you got to dig into your bench. And if West Virginia's is better and more accustomed to playing, sure, that makes a difference. But he kind of said that they brought in people who didn't need to play before, which is kind of a point. He met, mentioned Lamont West and he mentioned some other people, but he said that Dax, Dax Miles and JC were guards who were on a team with Staten and Brown and Tariq Phillip and that they weren't going to play a lot that year. And I was like, wow, that's a really good point. And like five seconds later, I remember that Miles started the entire year. <laughs> and right. Carter was a really good bench player for them. Frazier, excuse me, uh, Phillip was the um, the sixth man of the year. But Carter played a ton that year. And ultimately, they both freshmen had to play a lot because Brown and Staten got hurt. So, yeah, you did need 13. But they were definitely in the top, you know, eight that year. And, and you mentioned the guys that were comfortable not playing. I, was, wasn't Huggins' story about Dax the exact opposite of that? That basically that first day of practice, Dax or Miles walked out with the first team and just said, I'm going to play with these guys, and Huggins just kind of rode with it? Yeah, he said, I need five, and he got up and he walked out on the floor, and people kind of looked around and just shrugged their shoulders and said, let's see what he has, and that was his job. That was a great thing about Dax. Um, he could have been 0 for 7, and frequently that happened. But he did not know that, and he never let it affect him. And that's – I don't want to bore people with the concept of relative age, but he's an early January birthday. So he's always older than everybody. So when he was playing teammates, he was always older and bigger and presumably better than everybody he played. And I think that was the same with him in college. And, you know, he was he was not the most exciting person to talk to, and there's, you know, reasons for that, namely one locker room episode. But he was also pretty even. I mean, he never got too up or too down. And uh, I don't know. Th- that's kind of a unique class to talk about. Those are two – those are two all-time Huggins at WVU guys right there. And if you if you can get them in any class, I mean, they're probably going to play. I don't think you, you stash either one of them. No, absolutely not. not but um, going back, you got me thinking again on, mm. on this class with Cambridge because we're speaking of Cambridge here as if it's a done deal. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But – if he's not, there's also his AAU teammate, or maybe if someone else is not a done deal, say if there are issues with somebody getting in, there is Cambridge's AAU teammate, Otis Frazier III. His father, Otis Frazier II, who did play in college uh, and bounced around at a couple of the minor league pro teams, tells me that the younger Frazier will be on campus for a, an extremely late visit 
on the third weekend of August, the weekend of August 17th, which is the weekend right after the team gets back from Spain and where it goes from there. They seem uncertain about it, uh, and they're acting as if Bob Huggins and the staff seem uncertain about it, like they're waiting on answers from somewhere else. So that's that's something else to keep in mind because Frazier is a really good player that I'm not entirely sure why he's still around right now. Uh, you know, he averaged over 25 points a game as a junior and a senior and has interest from UConn, Syracuse, and several others, a lot of whom are trying to get him to wait until 2020. But if he just kind of falls into West Virginia's lap late in 2019, I mean, do I think he makes a difference this this winter? Probably not, but that's a nice little backup plan to have. They get a break, too. The fall semester starts the 21st this year. Usually that's in the, the teens, early teens, mid-teens, but with the way the calendar rolls around, um, August 21st, so that gives him some more time. And I would say if he visits, if Cambridge signs and Frazier doesn't cancel his trip and ultimately visits, that's a bad sign for Richardson, right? Yeah, I would think so. Because um, I, I would think by that point in August, we would have an answer one way or the other on Richardson. So the staff would have an answer for Frazier. And if he's coming to visit that weekend still, then that means an offer is likely coming and an offer is coming then I see a commitment from Fraser, which means bad news for Richardson. The good news, though, is that, well, two things. One, Sherman on his way, but two, Sherman does exist because I have seen no footage of him from playing basketball the last <laughs> two years, and I have never talked to him. I've tried and sent him messages and tried to get in touch with him through various channels, and it hasn't worked, so that's good. All right, other news, and we'll break, we'll end on this really quickly. I'll fit in the story. Uh, tomorrow, excuse me, today is um, the funeral for Chris Klein, if you're not familiar. Um, very wealthy, affluent, um, coal-based businessman, um, really big into philanthropy. He helped both West Virginia and Marshall. Kind of cool in this state that you don't have allegiances and you help both schools. Um, tragic, tragic uh, accident. He passed away, and I believe six others, including you know, members of his family, in a, in a helicopter accident. Um, sad, obviously, and there's been a lot of great memorials, things written and said about him that kind of you know frame his whole life and his whole his life view as it, as it was um, just in the past couple of days. And we'll see more in the next few, but I'm reminded of a story from a couple of years ago. It's really good. It doesn't really involve him, but I want to fit it in quickly because people do seem like this and it's a classic. Um, the Gator bowl when West Virginia played Florida state um, 2009, right? So I've been the 2010 calendar year, but 2009 season. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm sure people are going to let me know, but um, at Jacksonville. And if you're not familiar with Jacksonville, the, the hotspot is called the landing, which is, waterfront place with um bars and restaurants and clubs uh one year um paris hilton was there it was wild because um, west virginia was there it seemed like every other year for a long time but there's a whole bunch of boats that dock and they have parties and um sometimes there's important people on there famous people and sometimes you know you get invited aboard or you get invited to parties there and it's really kind of a, a weird scene i've been to one there almost went to two and here's why this is funny one night there's a flying wv flag flying outside and the boat is named mine games and if you're out and about at a certain hour of night at the landing that name is hilarious um fill in your blanks there so you see that and you're like oh that's cool and you remember it and we were walking back into the hotel my friend colin dunlap and i who covered for the pittsburgh post gazette back then uh, we were walking back in that evening to our hotel and walking out was i won't name this person's name but a member of the fundraising body at West Virginia, no longer there. So that'll, that'll, uh, acquit the current staff there. And we start talking and we asked this person about 
um, where he's going. And he's going to the yacht with the flying WB flag named Mind Games. And we ask him, oh, whose yacht is that? And for some reason, this guy who's had a long night, let's say, he will not tell us what it is. And we're like, well, who's this? What's going on there? And he won't say anything. And he gets really mad. Now, if you know Colin, he can be argumentative and stubborn about things like this. And it gets into this argument with someone who doesn't know him. And they start to know, argue about things like who, who knows Jack Harbaugh better? Uh, never mind Jim or John Harbaugh. Who knows, who knows Jack Harbaugh better? It, and it's a very odd argument. It doesn't make any sense. And they start arguing back and forth. And they're drawing a crowd. And the head of the MAC at that time comes over and is trying to disperse things. And these two are having a very civil conversation. I don't think we're going to throw down at all. And um, the report, the MAC person says to us, you guys aren't very good reporters, are you? And we're like, no, we don't know who it is. And the MAC says, that's not the point. You should have boarded that vessel. <laughs> And you should have done some investigating on your own, which Colin says, sir, we're journalists, not Somalis. <laughs> and the entire crowd erupted in laughter and the situation was dispersed and everybody went about and had a good night. And whether he knows it or not, Chris Klein prevented an ugly incident from happening at the landing in 2009. So for him, that's my thank you, because it could have been bad. And whether he knows it or not, he'll never know. But uh diffuse a, a te tense tense situation there and this is the part where we make a smooth exit from this podcast to the other we don't want to make it choppy or awkward we'll get better when we get music that'll fade in right about now i'll say something like thanks for stopping by take time to tell your friends i'll say i'm mike casaza and then chris will say i'm chris anderson and how am i supposed to top a billionaire yacht story now thanks mike Try harder. We'll do better <laughs> next time. See ya. See ya.